You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Okay, so announcements done. Let's get into the word. And today we're talking about something very, very important. I'm sure if you look around the room, you'll see some signposts. Do I call them signposts now? Some labels and uh, these cards. Yeah, those big cards, green and white. Uh, those of you online, you probably may not be able to see it. But it ties into everything we've been studying this week in the purpose-driven life. Okay? If you've been reading the purpose-driven life, you will know that we've been, the, the conversation has been around being shaped by God for service. Being shaped by God for his purpose. And today's message is centered. It's just sort of bringing it all together. Okay? Now, um... If you've been in church long enough, you'd have heard the term used quite a bit, ministry, ministry. And for some people, I'm going to attempt to do the Christian word of the day, something we used to do in LifePoint, and we're bringing it back again this year, where we spend about five minutes just defining what a particular Christian word means, you know, just talking about it and helping us understand the practical application of that word, what it means to us in real life issues, you know, outside of Bible conversations. Yeah. So, but it's one what I find has been really, really misunderstood because when somebody says to you ministry, the first thing that comes to mind is pastor, right? First thing that comes to mind is pulpit. For you, someone who maybe grew up with Catholic backgrounds, you're probably thinking of your priests, you're thinking of missionaries and things like that, you know. Um, but we see what the Bible references as ministry, Apparently, is a synonym that also means service. You know, it is synonymous to the word service. So where you see in certain translations where it says, and Peter's mother, when Jesus went to heal her, you know, she rose up from the bed and there's a translation that says she ministered to Jesus. It, another translation says she served Jesus. She took care of his needs, his daily needs, you know, as at that point in time when Jesus was in the house. So to minister is to serve Invariably, it means that you, super, are a minister. I am a minister. It means you are a minister. It means Titi is a minister. That's what it means. Because for everyone who has committed to serve God in any shape or form, we are all ministers. I mean, there are a ton of scriptures that speaks to that in a bit more detail and what it means to minister to the Lord, what it means to minister in his house and, and things like that. But because of time, we will not go into all that. But just have that at the back of your mind as we build on um, emerging through service. Emerging through service. We've been talking about emergence all through this week. And uh, sorry, all through this, in fact, from the beginning of the month, uh, the year actually, January, we've been talking about emergence, different ways that God is desirous of us to emerge, to come out of obscurity, to enter into light, to begin to fully manifest the potential that he has given to us. But today's focus is on something that is really, really dear to God's heart. It is something that is so important to him. So help me tell the person seated beside you that you're a minister. And tell them, in the same breath, you are a servant. Because service, <laughs> somebody's reluctant to say that. So, Nifemi is a servant. Hallelujah. Amen. Whether he likes it or not. But in the same breath, he's a minister. 
Because to serve, and we see how Jesus would reference himself. He uses himself as an example that, look, I have not come to lord it over you all. I haven't come here to, you know, feel like I am more than, even though I have every right to. But I have come to serve and to give my life as a ransom. So two things that Jesus, you know, his entire life embodied was service and was given. To serve and to give. To serve and to give. So every one of us, we have that responsibility. Again, hold that thought as we build on it. So in Romans 8.28, it says, And we know that all things work together. Very popular scripture. Everything works together for good. To them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. Another word closely associated to ministry is calling. And we know that, I mean, if I say to someone here now, do you have a calling? The person is tempted to say no. Why? Because we believe only people that get on stage, that minister, that hold microphones, have been called. But I want to say to you this morning, that for as long as you have given Jesus your heart, for as long as you have received the gift of salvation, Embedded in that gift of salvation is your calling. And it is the calling to serve God. Embedded in it, it is your calling to serve God. In whatever capacity that he has created for you to serve. Recognizing the gifts and the abilities that he has bestowed on you. So the purpose-driven life there, we see where Pastor Rick Warren would speak about our shape. Now, he has formed this acronym to represent very critical areas of our life. The S means your spiritual gifts. The gifts that God has blessed you with. Gifts of wisdom, gifts of faith, you know, gifts of prophecy, uh, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, and, you know, all of the spiritual gifts that exist. And then your heart. Your heart is the seat of your, you know, your emotions and it's where your passions are reflected. The things that you are passionate about, the things that you're mostly interested in, those nudgings and impressions that you keep having, they are not there because you willed them to be. And so sometimes someone is confused about what is it I've been called to this whole purpose conversation. What is your heart leaning towards? So he speaks up extensively about the heart. And then your abilities, which is the A, your natural abilities. Those things that come to you that no one else can do. I mean, we saw Dami here this morning say, you know, I would not try it. That is who she has been wired to be. If I came here and I wanted to sing my message, it would be an error. Because you all will get up and leave. But we, when she starts to sing, when Demilade holds the mic, when Femi holds the mic, when Falabi holds the mic, we feel God. Even if you came here with a heavy heart, it is lifted. So everyone playing in their area of strength, recognizing the ability that God has bestowed upon them is so critical. And the P is your personality. Some of us are really angry and unhappy. Because we feel like our personality and our temperaments have left us quite disadvantaged. Now, there are strengths and weaknesses to our personality and our temperaments. But recognizing that God has made you sanguine. You know, maybe growing up, you've heard so much about the fact that you talk too much. Your parents have said it and said it and said it. You get to school. 
Your teachers have hammered it, especially if you went to a Nigerian school. You know, in the abroad, they will be, they will always say talent. You know, they will recognize it and they will probably help you hone it. You know, but in Nigeria, you frustrate your teacher with too much talking. You, know, you talk too much, talkative. They've given you names, labels, and they're stuck with you. So much so that you've tried to hide yourself. And so you're in certain areas or in certain phases of your life and you're like, no, this part of me cannot shine. It can't, it can't come out. Because your mind has been programmed to believe that it's a disadvantage. But he speaks about our personalities and how that God utilizes them for the accomplishment of his purpose. There is a reason why God has wired you and somebody needs to hear me and hear me clearly. There's a reason why God has designed you to be that way. Why you have this melancholic nature and you bear the burdens of the world. You are such a planner. And you know, you, you, you are one of those people that in place of prayer, you groan, you carry the burdens of, you can feel people's infirmity. There's a reason God has created you that way. There's a reason why you are phlegmatic and you know, just happy-go-lucky. See, God is diverse. If he had created all of us as sanguines, what would the world look like if everybody was of a particular temperament? Boring, really boring. But my mix, my personality type and yours, when we come together, we create fireworks. We change our world. Your temperament and my temperament, your abilities, my abilities, when we, it comes together, in a, think about a marriage, think about, you know, a work environment and how everybody brings their part and contributes, as scripture says, every joint fitly supplying, every person playing their part. It is so important. And then the E, experiences. Some of us have looked at the experiences of our lives, the journey, our past. And we have used it to determine the outcomes of our future. We have limited ourselves when God has not limited us. We have paused our lives when God has not paused our journey because of the experiences of the past. Meanwhile, those experiences have happened for a reason. For a, 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 actually quite a number of reasons. That of the comfort you have received, you can comfort others. You've gone through that or you are currently dealing with something so that your character is being developed and being refined. So there are reasons. God is very intentional and it's something that someone needs to remind themselves that, look, my life, the way it is currently shaped, using the S-H-A-P-E, shows God's intentionality. And instead of grumbling and complaining, I should sit back and allow God work. I should be appreciative that I am who I am. I remember, you know, um, feeling a certain way, quite, not, not body shaming, but because I'm, I mean, for a regular girl, I would say I'm tall, yeah? Average heighted, maybe not tall, tall. But I remember being in uni, my 100 level, and dating someone who had an interesting perspective on feet. There is no way on earth with my height that I would have tiny feet. I'm talking Pocahontas type feet. For those of you who know Pocahontas and Rapunzel, you know, 
the cartoon characters here and how their feet look really small. What's the slippers lady? Cinderella. Aha. Uh-huh. How the feet just looks really small and tiny. And I apparently had, he was obsessed with tiny feet. That is where I should have known that there would be a problem. That this relationship was going nowhere. But for some weird reason, I just thought it was a, you know, an obsession that would pass. And this was, a, this was an older person. So if it was that it was maybe in my set or 100 level or my age, I'll say, okay, maybe he's, child, he's just being childish. But this was somebody that was expected to know better. At least it was a few years older than I was. But alas, I mean, he would come to my dorm room and then we had this, my, my roommates had this like posters of all of these princesses and he would always just talk about the feet, you know. <laughs> Apparently, I wasn't, I, I, I was naive. I didn't, I thought, okay, maybe you like what you like, but you still like me, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that, plus me plus my big feet, we got left behind. <laughs> and he moved on to small feet, actually. He moved on to tiny feet. But God is, ah, God is good. Please let me tell your neighbor, God is good. When I met my husband, you know, I didn't know how much that small feet thing damaged me. No, 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 let's not, don't worry. It's not that deep. I'm exaggerating, it's not that deep. We broke up for other reasons, definitely not the small feet. But I did not forget because, I mean, I can still remember the emotions. So, but when I met my husband, I didn't even know he was going to be my husband then. I mean, we didn't become friends until a few years after. But guess the first compliment he paid me. I love your feet. Amen. That was the first compliment. I'm, as guys, the people that know my husband here, ask him. But for real, that was the first compliment. I was like, Kai. This God is kind, very kind, too much, too much God. Thank you. So my point is that which you have looked at as yourself as a disadvantage is somebody else's, someone else is feeling it. So you're here, you're hiding yourself. You're feeling very discouraged. Somebody has said something about you. They have labeled you a certain way. They've said all sorts about you, about your work output and all. I mean, yeah, if there are lessons to be learned in certain instances, absolutely learn the lessons. But not when God has looked at you. God took his time to fashion you. You are uniquely designed, created. You carry his breath. You have his life. You look like him. Because he says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So you look like God. And then somebody looks at you and says, you ah, should dust your shoes. Just adjust your shoulder pad and move away from there because they do not appreciate God's work. So, that's it, shape. But moving on, one reason why you need to be aware of who you are and the giftings, the abilities, the personality type, you know, everything that God has put in that entire mix is so that you can use it for his glory primarily. We find that we live in a generation and in a world where we are very fixated on us, me, myself, and I. That everything that I have, I need to deploy. I need to be all right. I need to blow. I need to hammer. I need to marry. I need to have. I mean, these are great. They are, they are, they are okay desires. But beyond that, fundamentally, is that who you are, first, primarily, should answer to God. 
should be about pleasing him. And we see a ton of scriptures that I will run through that reference this. So, Jesus would have a conversation, a heart-to-heart with Peter. And Peter would respond to Jesus quite angrily at some point. By the time Jesus was asking him that question for the third time. Let's say it. it says in John 21, 15 to 17, it says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Now, there's a whole lot in this scripture, but we will focus. Because even that these that Jesus asked Simon, do you love me more than these? That these is representative of different things in our lives. So Jesus was asking a question to Peter. It was a question of priority. It was a question of importance. Scale of preference. Do you love me more than these? And Peter would say, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Then the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. I mean, at this rate, you know now. If I don't love you, you might as well just tell me that I don't know because you know all things. But I love you. I believe that I love you. I think that I love you. In fact, I'm sure that I love you. Because I would not have left my, you know, my, my business, my fishing activities to follow you from town to town, from, to city to city. And Jesus would say to him, feed my sheep. See, Jesus would have this conversation and keep reiterating and asking that question again. Because it was a question of priority for Peter. It was a question of, I need you to focus on that which is important to me. Because it is one thing to pay me lip service. It's one thing to follow me. It's one thing to, you know, set yourself apart and say you're doing my work. But I need to know, you know what is important to me. And I feel like that's the question God is asking each and every one of us today. Do you know what matters to me? Do you know what is priority to me? And are you doing what is priority to me? A genuine love for God will naturally lead us to a place of service. To a place of kingdom service. Where the things that matter to God begin to matter to us. And that is the call that, you know, the Father is calling us to today. It is a call to emerge into service. A call to not look at our lives as just our own. That there is more to you. That your shape, not your physical shape, but your shape, which is what I had spoken about earlier, has been designed and fashioned for specific purposes that you would utilize your life and the sum total of you for that which I have created you for. That you would be useful to me. You will be useful in my house. I mean, Pastor Bill Hybels would always reference the local church as the hope of the world. There is a reason LifePoint exists. There is a reason why the Elevation Church exists. There is a reason why, you know, the church, the body of Christ exists. You see, businesses will pass away. All of the multinationals, the Fortune 500 companies, they will come and go. No matter how long they've existed, eventually they will pass away. But you see, the body of Christ will remain. 
It will be translated into another form, obviously, but it will remain. So that should, in terms of the same question Jesus would ask Peter, that should be our reflection today. Everything that I am striving for, everything that I am working towards, and it is great. God wants us to emerge in our places of work, you know, the spheres of influence, the places he has positioned us. He wants us to shine and to be light. He wants our light to be attractive. He wants your light to be contagious. But your life cannot be about work only. The sum total of you cannot be about just your work. It cannot be about just your profession or your career path or your business. There is more to you. Please help me tell someone that there is more to you. There is more to you. And so we will see the instruction, uh, you know, where Jesus was reminding us that we've been designed by God to be expressions of his love by making a difference with our lives. He says, you are the light of the world. Popular scripture, Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You do not light a lamp and put it under a basket. And I feel like that's a call for someone here. Your light is under the basket. It's under a bushel. You are hiding. You are still in hiding. But he wants you to come out today. He wants you to let that light shine. He's saying to you, arise, shine. Your light is come. Your time is now. The glory of the Lord is risen. It is evident. It is seen upon you. Stop hiding it. You know why? Because darkness covers the earth. And gross darkness the people. And how do we dispel darkness? Is when you and I shine our light. So a lot of the things that we're complaining about, we need to shine the light. You know, and, and let me use the church setting, for example. Some of us come to church on Sunday um, and we interact with the service. In fact, for someone, you come in and from the gate, you can already see everything that is not working well. Because you have a natural gift for attention to detail. You can see how that the potted plants were not properly positioned and aligned. And then you get in and you see how, you know, the drapes are looking a little skewed. You see how the lights should have done it, you know. And, or someone you come in, you have an excellent sense of order. And so you say, you see Pastor Dom, who heads our traffic team. And Samuel, you say to them, hey, well done, sirs. But you know that there's a way we can maximize the parking in here. You have those natural, it naturally comes to you. Some people struggle with it. Or you get in, you're the person who you enjoy music. You have a sound, uh, an ear for music. And you're like, ah, when Dami sang, there's a higher octave she should have hit. If she had hit that note, you know, it would have been perfect. It would have been pitch perfect. Yeah, that kind of person. But all you do is just have those conversations with your friends. You know that, uh, that lady singing, she should have just gone, one, she should have just, uh, you, she should have just, he should have just, that is you. And it is great. But you need to come out and deploy those giftings. I'm sure they will appreciate it at the band. With all those, she should just and he should just. They would appreciate it there. The parking team, the car park team, the traffic control team, they would appreciate it. The service production team will appreciate your sense of, you know, attention to detail. So you have it in you. We all have it. God has wired us for kingdom service, for the edification of the body. Because when the church is healthy, a nation is healthy. The church is not the building. It is you and I. 
And so when we're able to edify saints, when we're able to edify the body, when we're able to play our parts and ensure that people's lives are transformed, LifePoint has a number of projects, a number of initiatives that God would have us deploy this year. And I dare say that we need you for this. We need you in here. We need you to play your part. I will be speaking to these initiatives, you know, the last Sunday of this month and some of the projects we have. So I encourage you, come to church with an open heart and see what God will do. Whether you are the one that we've been waiting for, who knows? In fact, for someone here, let me take it a, a, a step further. You listen to BWS, you listen to PI, you listen to all the pastors, and you're like, you know, the message is great, but there is a depth that they did not hit. You know, there's a theology. That your theology, oh, okay, but go deep. For the non-Yoruba speaking people, your theology is okay, but it did not reach there. It's not the original. Because you, you have the original script. You have the Torah. You have the original manuscripts where they wrote the Bible. It's okay. Come, we need you. Am I right, pastors? We need you. Come and deploy your giftings and your abilities. Mr. I want to sit down and listen and be blessed. So, my point is, there is something in you. There is more to you that God is counting on you to deploy. To dispel darkness, light must shine. There must be light. So, this is a call for you to shine your light in the world and to also shine your light by deploying your gifts in service in God's house. All right, so um, three thoughts that I will share very quickly. Three big thoughts. One is service to God is not optional. And I know that has just done somebody's chest somehow. It's not optional. See, our responsibility here is to teach the truth. Your responsibility is to receive it. But it isn't. And it isn't because we recognize, again, backtrack to some of the teachings that we've had. And even just what I have said a few minutes ago, the fact that the life that you have isn't yours to decide how you want to live it. For one who has accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, part of your commitment is, God, I am surrendering and I am submitting to your Lordship over my life that as you lead, I follow. As you instruct, I obey. That is part of your commitment to God. And so, when it comes to serving him, your salvation, service is inside it. It is part of how you please God. It is part of how you make him proud. Because you have not been created to just occupy space. You are not a resource that has just been deployed because God is, you know, he's just, you know, he enjoys a certain level of uh, feeling of importance that he just has innumerable children on the earth. No. You were created for a purpose. You were created to please God primarily. That is where our purpose stems out of. So if we're still on this quest of, I need to understand what my purpose is, is to understand that you are created primarily to please God, first of all. And how do you please him? It's by deploying the abilities, by utilizing your personality, by, you, you know, the state of your heart, ensuring that it's in alignment with him and deploying your passion by utilizing the spiritual gifts that he has blessed you with and then the experiences that he has, you've also undertaken or you've, the things you've experienced, using them to bless others. So it is not optional. Paul would say of himself in Romans 1.1, he was very bold. He liked to describe himself. He said, Paul, a bond servant, 
A servant is one who serves, right? And we have also agreed that it's synonymous to being a minister. He was a Paul, a born servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. He was very clear about his identity. There was no mistake about it. He wasn't confused. I mean, he was confused prior to an encounter with Jesus, which is why we prayed earlier that this month we will encounter Jesus. We would encounter him. We would truly understand the depth of his love. And you see, I was meditating earlier this morning and just thinking about the sacrifice of Jesus. And this, the phrase that came to heart is, when we say people should serve, or when we say come and utilize your gifts for, you know, the, for, for, for the edification of the saints, to move the kingdom forward and things like that, and we are content to, there's this whole notion around, you know, being, just being able to do the barest minimum, based on availability, and we're unwilling to stretch ourselves. We're unwilling to make the sacrifices that are required. We are very big on, especially in our generation, I need to take care of myself. I need to be okay. So it's what is left that I would give, if anything is left at all, of my time, of my intellect, of my, you know, of the, whatever space. It is what is left that I would deploy. And the phrase that dropped in my heart, I, I, in fact, I chuckled, is the sacrifice of Jesus on the, on the cross was a sacrifice. It was not convenient. It was painful. And I know that's a hard truth for someone, but it is the truth. The gift of Jesus was a sacrifice. It was a sacrifice. And so when David would say things like, I will not offer, you know, at a point in time in his life when he had goofed and God had said to him, choose three, out of these three punishments, choose one because I will deal with you, but you have to choose one. And he would choose one and God, he would start to intercede and pray for his people because he wasn't the only one suffering. His people were suffering, people were dying. And he had an opportunity to stay the hand of, you know, the angel. He wanted to offer sacrifices and he would go and ask for a piece of land where he wanted to erect an altar so he could sacrifice to, to God. And the person would offer, ah, this is king. This is King David now, our king. Please take it for free. And that's what a lot of us would jump at, right? It is, in fact, we, we, we have a Christian way to define is the favor of God that has brought this. But two people that always inspire me when it comes to the concept of sacrifice. Abraham and then David. Because Abraham had a similar experience. He was going to buy a parcel of land to bury his wife, I think. You know, and they wanted him to have it for free. But he insisted, I will pay. But this one was even service to God. And David would say, look, I will not offer my God what doesn't cost me anything. And so how are we posturing this year? Are we giving God the dregs? What is left of us? What is left of our time? Or are we prioritizing his needs this year? That is something someone needs to think about. So service to God is not optional. Your contribution is critical to the growth of the church. And God gave you gifts principally for the expansion of the kingdom. Now there's a concept around losing reward. And I won't dwell too much on that here. But scripture says that he that is faithful in little, what will happen? More. You have the capacity and the potential to attract more as long as you utilize the little that you've received. But some of us, we have carried our little and we're going to bury it in the ground. Either out of fear, you know, 
or out of, well, I'm just busy. I really don't have time to deploy this talent. But God is calling you to come out. Go and unearth that hidden talent and deploy it for his use. The second thought, the first thing I said is service is not optional. Now, the second big thought is that only acceptable service will be rewarded. Only acceptable service will be rewarded. And just in case someone is wondering, what is acceptable service and what does acceptable service look like? Let's read the scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 4 to 5. It says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Now that is the phrase, that is the catchphrase there. That it may please him, the person who enlisted you as soldier, is the one that you answer to. But a lot of us are answering to the cares of this world and not the person who enlisted us for battle. We are answering to the deceitfulness of riches. We are answering to the what will I eat, what will I drink, what will I wear. We are answering to social media. We are answering to whatever it is that we have objectified or, well, whatever it is we have magnified. Whatever it is, takes our worship. For some of us, it is money. For some of us, it is our job. For some of us, it is our family. Because you've been wanting to get married, and then you finally got married, and then it now feels like there is nothing else aside from your family. And that is not to say we shouldn't prioritize, you know, being diligent or excellent at our job or being committed to our family and all. But it's to recognize the giver of the gifts, the one who enlisted you for battle. How are we prioritizing him? Enduring work. Still under that concept of acceptable sacrifice or acceptable service that will be rewarded. It is enduring work. And we see scripture in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 from verses 11. It says, no other foundation can anyone lay that, that which is laid, which is Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, look at the quality of you know, the, 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 the quality of, of building materials, if I may put it that way, being referenced. It says gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Again, that is a place to reference. The fire will test the quality of your work. The fire will test the quality of my work. Now, another thing to note under acceptable service that will be rewarded is the concept of love. Your sacrifice, your service cannot be devoid or should not be devoid of love. And there's a scripture for that. Let's read 1 Corinthians 13. It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. So you can be a spiritual juggernaut. Your tongues can be a mix of Spanish with French with Filipino. What's their language? What? <laughs> Mandarin. Whatever. It can be that. It can be that deep. That when other people are praying, they pause to listen to your tongues. They stop their own prayer to listen to your, the, the, the sweetness of your tongues. It can be that. But if it is devoid of love, look at what, look, just read the scripture. It says, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. If you know cymbals, it's just noise. Noise. When cymbals are beaten and they are being clanked together without any rhythm, it is noise. 
And that's what the scripture is saying here. Let's go on. A lot of shade inside this first Corinthians 13, by the way. It says, though I have the gift of prophecy, because you see, we're in a generation that we prioritize the gifts of the Spirit against the fruit of the Spirit. We, ma we magnify the gifts. We want to be gifted, but we don't want our character to be shaped by the Holy Spirit in our regenerated human spirit. So it says, each, sorry, I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. I mean, who doesn't want that? That I come here. Somebody just says, like, uh, you know, and it's like, uh, rise and be healed in the name of Jesus. And everywhere we scatter now, right? That's the one we want. The show of power. It says, I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love. And every time I read this question, I'm like, how is it possible? Shouldn't they both go hand in hand? I mean, I want to heal the sick. I want to raise the dead because I love them, right? I love people, but apparently not. For some, time, for, for some of us, it is self-glorification. It is not about the Father. It's not about his will. It's that we want to shine. We want to show ourselves that we have power. And this just in case you are here and you're wondering, well, that's not me. There's your own version there. Just take it and apply it to you. Yours might not be speaking in tongues or having the gift of prophecy or workings of miracles. Yours might be at your job. You're an A-star employee. You even have, you are so good at your young age and your 20s. They've given you shares in the company and you think that is all that matters to you. That is all that your life is about. Let's see what he says here. He says, I have all faith that I could move mountains, have not love. I am nothing. Did you see that? Nothing. Because in this, again, remember, priority. What is important to the Father? He says, though I bestow all my goods to, the, to feed the poor. This one always gets me. Because I'm like, when I feed the poor, it is because I care, right? It's not because I just want to throw money around and just... I'm expected to care. I'm expected to be empathetic or sympathetic to their situation and their plight. That is why I do good deeds. But Paul here is proving to us that there's a way it has become you are just checking a box because it is the okay thing to do. Or you are on some list or some, you know, you're just doing charitable deeds. But there, it is devoid of love. What does it say? Though I give my body to be burned... So it means that even there's a level of sacrifice that you give or that you make that is also devoid of love. It profits me nothing. Ouch. So it means that there are unprofitable investments that we can make in service. That's what Paul is saying here. There are unprofitable investments and sacrifices that can be made. I declare that would not be our portion in Jesus' name. So our love walk, we need to step it up. Because you see, God is love and God's priority is people. And God has created us to be like him. So he doesn't want a quality of service that is devoid of love, that where love is absent. Love has got to drive everything that we do. And even in your, in your personal, you know, careers, in your business, you lead a team, you, you lead, run a business, you know, you are a line manager. How are you relating with people? Is it all about the job? Are you transactional? Are you transactional? Because sometimes we miss an opportunity to be light. When people look at us and all they see about us is just the job. 
is just money. They can label us with one word that has nothing to do with being Christ-like. The third thing, and we will pray, is that kingdom service increases your influence. Kingdom service increases your influence. I remember something Pia used to say. Now, under that um, acceptable service will be rewarded, I'll discuss that in a bit more detail. There's a story that I was supposed to tell, but because of time, it's about some young Fortune 500 company um, owner called Richard, but I'll discuss that in the evening service. So you have friends, you might want to ask them to come by for evening service because that's where we get to talk and ask questions. But the last thought, kingdom service increases your influence. Uh, something Pierre used to say to us then when we started LifePoint is that promotion in the, you know, in, 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 in ministry, promotion in church service or promotion in God's house symbolizes and opens doors for promotion in the natural. And it's so true. I'm a product of that. It is so true. Because as God sees you as faithful and diligent with the things that matter to him, he will definitely bless and increase your level of influence. He will bless you, will increase the works of your hands. Hence why scripture would say to seek first the kingdom and its righteousness. Every other thing that we're laboring for, that we're desiring, will be added to us. If you are faithful with the little you have received, more will be added to you. And on that note, I'd like us to pray. I want us to pray and to declare that, Lord, we're offering ourselves. We're emerging in service. And I want you to personalize that prayer. Father, let the things that matter to you matter to me. I may have journeyed and my journey may have been really self-centered, self-focused. My agenda may have just been self. But I'm asking today that you open my eyes to see the areas where you want me to partner with you, where you want me to serve in your house, where you want me to deploy my gifts, my spiritual gifts, where you want me to, to display and deploy my passion, where you want me to display and to deploy my natural abilities, where you want me to display and to utilize my personality, where you want me to utilize my experiences. I'm asking, Father, that you open my eyes to see. Where is that place of need? Open my eyes to see. Show me how to serve you. Show me how to live for you. Show me how to please you. In the name of Jesus, someone is to declare that I present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you, as an act of service, that I am presenting my time, I am presenting my intellect, I am presenting my abilities that your work will not be it will not be what is left you know what what is left of me is what I'm bringing to the table that I will not offer you what doesn't cost me anything that my understanding of serving and living for you changes from this minute in the name of Jesus that that area of need where my heart is constantly being nudged towards I see it I embrace it and I begin to walk in that place. I begin to deploy my potential in there. I am staying and I am being planted and deeply rooted in that place of service. In the name of Jesus. And if there's anyone here where you have struggled, you know, over time with serving God, serving in church. You've had negative experiences. You've, you know, served in churches where you have been hurt, deeply hurt. And that has affected your walk with God. Would you ask, Lord, heal my heart. Father, heal my heart. 
And I pray for you today for grace to forgive and to let go of those people that I have that have hurt and damaged you. In the name of Jesus, recognizing that they are humans, they are not God. God, God does not call you into service, into partnership with him to hurt you, to disappoint you. God is a rewarder and he's faithful, but man will be man. So I pray for you today that the Holy Spirit would heal your heart in the name of Jesus and that your, his light will flood your life, your, your life in the name of Jesus. You will see differently. You would embrace God's perspective for your life in Jesus' name. Amen. Lastly, I want us to pray for our love walk. You see, we're in a world where things are difficult and people are unkind. So can we pray for ourselves and by extension, life point, that as a community of young people, we declare, Lord, that our love is contagious, that we genuinely love, we genuinely care, that people come into this fold because this is a place where they can be themselves. This is a place where they can enjoy your love that is manifest through us. In the name of Jesus, we are caring for one another. In the name of Jesus, pray for yourself that in your place of work, if there's been strife, that you are that ambassador of peace coming to put an end to every strife, to every bitterness, to every anger, to every division that exists in your unit, in your company, in your organization. In the name of Jesus, that you are taking on, Scripture says, blessed are the peacemakers. You are taking on that responsibility on behalf of Jesus to quell every fire of antagonism in the name of Jesus that that colleague there's someone here there's a colleague that is coming to mind right now that you know you need to step up to and make peace with would you declare father fill me with your love fill me with your love increase my love walk in the name of Jesus help me love like you help me live like you help me be like you in every way in Jesus name we have prayed amen amen and I want to pray for someone here today you don't know Jesus and so a lot of things we're saying to you, it might feel like it's lost on you. But he wants you to come to him. He wants you to embrace his love because that's where it starts from fundamentally. He wants you to receive that love and that sacrifice that he's made. So if that is you in the room, you may even have given your heart to him, but you have strayed from him. You want to live a life of purpose and you want your life to have meaning. Just like that Richard story that I was going to share. I mean, he was a high achiever. He had hit heights he had attained heights that people even older than him desired to but something was missing something was missing so if you're that one who feels that void, feel, feel that emptiness and you have tried to replace it with substances, you have tried to replace it with relationships and that void is still there can I ask, with all eyes closed and all heads bowed, we'll give you the privacy of the moment. But may I please ask that you lift your hand this morning and just say, Father, I'm inviting you into my heart. Jesus, I'm inviting you into my heart to come and make your home with me. That is what you are doing by raising your hand. And we also want to be able to support you on this journey and identify you. That's what we're asking. So an usher will put a card in your hand. If that is you, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. All across the room, and if you're online, just go ahead and indicate that I am giving my heart to Jesus. Can you please say this after me? Dear Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice on the cross, and I am inviting you into my heart today. Come and make your home with me. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your warm embrace, and I am asking, change my heart and make me more like you. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. 
turn my life around. The things that I have been dealing with, the burdens that I have been carrying that I don't need to carry, I ask that you free me, liberate me in the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, we thank you for everyone that has made this prayer and this declaration. Uh, whether their hands are up or not, for those who did not raise their hands, may I please ask before you go, see me. We just want to know um, and be able to journey with you and help you, support you with resources. We thank you, Lord, for each and every person and we commit them into your hands, Lord, that you would build them, that you will keep them, you will preserve them in your love. As the host of heaven rejoices over this one, we rejoice and we thank you. We welcome them home. We thank you, Father, because their lives will not remain the same by reason of this declaration of faith. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen and amen. Do you want to put those hands together and celebrate Jesus? Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng.